Victoria. My friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. My name is Mighty K. Oh, wait, no, 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 that's already been taken. Special K. Yeah, I'd have to be Mightier K. <laughs> no, that, that doesn't. I'll just be Kevin. Kristen, I can't steal your name. Okay, so I'm just Kevin. That's, are you just Robert, or I'm do you just, have something else? No, just Robert for today is fine. Can we call uh, you Bobby tonight? What the hell did you just say? No. <laughs> no that's a you should see his face when no. I say that. No, the, the Bob thing, no. We, uh, my brother-in-law is Bob, and when we met, we agreed, okay, you're going to be Bob, I'm going to be Robert, and I've only gone by Robert. I mean, I've, I've been called a lot worse, but I've never had the Bob moniker. Is Bob the most offensive name that somebody could call you by mistake? And it, it's nothing to do with my brother-in-law. It's just the name itself is kind of, you know, Bob. It's and, and my brother-in-law's from New Jersey, so it, it fits. He's a New Jersey guy, so it, it fits right. him. But no, not me. I, okay. I just I don't know. It's I cannot explain to you rationally why I don't like being called other things besides that. But I have earned Bobbert, Bobbert, you know, Bert, <laughs> Bert. <laughs> I could never see somebody calling you Bert. I have to admit, there was one girl in high school. She called you Bert. She could call me anything she wanted. Mm-hmm. And she, for some reason, she latched onto that, and I'd never said it otherwise. So Bert, yeah, that she's the only one. Interesting. She was into Muppets. <coughs> hey there, Bert. <laughs> I, well, I kind of look like you've seen my pictures <laughs> from high school. Good lord, yeah. <laughs> Adam's apple mu- Muppet. That was me. <laughs> I totally look like uh, Gro- not Grover. Yeah, it was the one with the no Gonzo, the one with the big nose and the yeah, purple that was, one. That was Gonzo. Gonzo. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. like a, a pale version of him. Hmm. Beaker, maybe. Beaker. That's Beaker. probably better. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. What you say? I don't know. Tall and 110 pounds. <laughs> so that's Robert Harrison then. Yes, by the long that way to get Robert to that. Harrison. Yes. And what is going on with you this week? This week, well, if you're listening to this episode and you have listened to last week's episode, you would have heard me, us, discussing how I was getting ready to put a house up for sale. And I'd busted my ass all week doing landscaping. Oh yeah, you were so tired in the last I episode. I wore myself out. You were yawning. I actually heard you <laughs> yawning. I had to edit out yawns it was, in the episode. It was good and bad. I mean, it felt great doing manual labor like that. I love it. It, it just gets the blood flowing. But by the time we recorded the podcast that night, I'd already overeaten and I was ready for a nap. But you've heard all the gloom and doom about the real estate market. And I've heard it too. So I was not looking forward to this. Put it up for sale. And that was Saturday morning. And by Sunday night, I had four offers and a bidding war. Ooh. And when you're selling a house, that's, that's two, a good thing. Your two favorite words are yeah. bidding war. And so, yeah, these two couples got into a bidding war and it's sold or it's under contract for well over asking price. Nice. So I will be buying us drinks at Rockin' Pine. All right, good. Us, just you two, not, just, uh, not, oh, the, not, not everyone the audience. Listening. No, no, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to caveat that. Listeners, that was not for you apparently. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I may pick one lucky listener and buy them a drink. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. So if you come up to me at Rockin' Pine and you tell me you're a listener and you're not one of the other podcasters, <laughs> Right. How about that's this? Cheating. How about this? You buy them a drink if they share a recipe with you. Oh, well, that's true. See that way you can I get something out material. of it. So speaking of that, yes, you would not believe what I have for dinner tonight. What? Hit it. 
Deal, deal. Sing it with us. Ready? That's right, Musketeers. It's time to get your grub on with the chef. Grease it up, baby. your funky style. Robbers. God needs it. That's right now, Robbers. God needs it. Damn right. Tonight, I made parking lot barbecue flatbread pizza. Parking lot barbecue, barbecue flatbread, flatbread pizza. pizza. So where, how, where's thank the barbecue? God you came Are, over because the barbecue. I was where's, getting I was getting ready the to overdose. Lot? Okay, I almost overdosed, but you came in and stopped me from having way too much. So parking lot barbecue. I don't know if I'm guessing this is a regional thing, but I don't know. So I would love to hear from somebody that does not live in the South, but driving around the South, you'll see this guy with a truck pulling a barbecue rig, like a big smoker grill type thing that's just pulled over in a parking lot somewhere. And usually usually in association to a gas station, right? Well, gas usually. stations, yeah, they, they want the extra business so they don't run them off. Right. So gas station parking lots, convenience store parking lots. This one was in just a strip mall parking lot. And this is my favorite parking lot barbecue. A guy goes by the name of Tight Mike. He's tight. Tight Mike's Barbecue. <laughs> tight Mike. She's tight. She's a talented girl. She's tight. She's got her head down tight. I met him during the pandemic. You know, things were kind of tough. He had just started this thing, and he was setting up out front of the firehouse, loading up his smoker, starting to smoke. Wow. Some barbecue. And so I'm just looking out the window, and I see what's going on. I'm like, what in the hell? I'm not mad. I'm just really curious. Go out there, introduce myself. He's like, hey, man, yeah, I know that your neighbor's across the street, and they said it was okay. And I'm like, well, hell yeah, it's okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, deal. Got some treats deal. too. So he gave me some free barbecue for. You said barbecue several times. Yes. He got excited. Yes. Right. Hang on. He's got one more coming. I know. Barbecue. Barbecue. So anyway, we got to know him. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to know him, uh, and he, I would see him pop up around the you know around town. But he doesn't advertise, or I don't ever see where he's advertised where he's going to be. So it's just a random. Hey, there's Type Mike. And so Friday afternoon, after all week of busting my ass, I was cutting through a parking lot to take a shortcut on the way home because there's a lot of traffic. And so I sneaked this parking lot and all of a sudden I looked and there he is right there. I'm like, oh my God. It's like the heavens opened up. The choirs of <laughs> angels were singing because it's dinner time and I'm starving. And I roll down the window and he's like, what's up, man? He said, I got some ribs for you. So I get out and he gave me some ribs. I bought some chicken. I, I, I can't let him just give me all this stuff. So I bought some and he gave me some extra. I came home. But this is the leftover barbecue chicken, and I needed to go ahead and finish it out. I had some flatbread bread. What do you mean, flatbread? Put it that was on bread there. That was flat. It's flat. Do you do you understand? I, 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 got the am concept. I describing this bread correctly? <laughs> it was flat. It's is smooth. it Indian non bread? Is that no? It's it flatter than that. Yeah, I see. So it has less carbs. So see, I'm, I'm thinking about it. So you put some barbecue, and you put the barbecue sauce on it, and you put some cheese on that, and you cook it like pizza. And oh my god, that was so damn good. <laughs> finish that off, and I. Was still hungry, so I made a dessert pizza. 
I had a little bit of light cream cheese. See, that's extra healthy when you use light cream cheese. It's just like you're eating broccoli. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how it works? Put that on there, some fig preserves, and a little bit more cheese, and some pepper. Bake that like you're making some pizza. And oh my God, that was just as good as the first one. (laughs) And I was getting ready to put a third one in the oven, and you showed up. Wow. And I would have been miserable. I have no self-control when it comes to stuff like that. I would keep eating until I was miserable sick and then passed out. I don't know. That's just the stupid things I do at night. That does sound impressive. It was damn good. I can't wait to do that again. Now, have you done this without tight Mike's barbecue? She's tight. She's a talented girl. She's tight. Have you tried it with I don't know if it's going to be as good. Probably wouldn't be as good. It's the parking lot. We have barbecue restaurants on every corner around here. Chain restaurants, local restaurants. I never buy barbecue at a restaurant because we've had the best barbecue, number one. You and I had a friend. He's still alive. He just doesn't live here anymore. Colonel Jim Kelly. Mm -hmm. He was our manager back when we were in a band. And he made the best barbecue because he was an engineer. And he did exactly the same every time. He could (laughs) nail it. So we're spoiled. So now, but gas station or parking lot barbecue? Yeah, I'll pull over for that. So I highly recommend, if you drive past one of these things and you turn your nose up at it, no, 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 turn around, go back, try that out. I bet you it's damn good. These guys are passionate. They're not making a killing. They're doing it because they love it. And sometimes they also have, at least here in the South, Mm -hmm. something that's very impressive called boiled peanuts. Bold. Bold peanuts. B-O-W-L-D. Bold. (laughs) Bold. You gotta pronounce it right. I can't I can't say yeah. that. Boiled Yes, so I love some boiled peanuts and they'll they'll just Scoop. take the peanuts out of the boiling hot water and yeah. they'll put it in a paper bag. It's gourmet. And that's all you need. Gourmet. And see that reminds me of football. Because mm-hmm. yep, my dad totally. would boil peanuts when we watched football and if we went to the games, college football. We that's all right. we had. We didn't have right. a professional football in middle of nowhere, Florida. Yeah, we would always stop at one of these guys who was on the side of a gas station yeah. entrance and that's what we would do. My what dad was your closest always... NFL? team in South Carolina back then it would be Atlanta okay but I I pulled for the growing up I pulled for the Redskins because one they were good and that was the next closest was DC that's bizarre to think that's long before the Carolina Panthers were we were exactly almost the same distance between Atlanta and Miami we had Tampa well nobody pulled for Tampa nobody yeah I don't even remember them back then so of all things I was a Dallas Cowboys because they were winning the Super Bowl back in the 70s so that was that yeah my mom let me listen to the Super Bowl in church you told that story story? okay yeah that was that was the best Super Bowl ever was getting to listen to that in church <laughs> on a transistor radio and wow. being threatened by my mother. If I yelled touchdown, she's going to strangle me. Interesting. Well, tune your transistor radio into Pot of Thunder, Cobras and Fire, Growing Up Rock, Slam Fest Podcast, Decibel Geek, A to Z Radio, Metal Up Your Podcast, The Hustle, Disciples of the Watch, Podcast Rock City, Sean Geek and Fast Fret Podcast, State of America, Rock Strikes 10, Ron Keel Podcast, Potter Than Hell, The Kiss Room, Ages of Rock, Retro Zest Podcast, The Synaptic Empire, and don't forget about Monty, Monty's Rockcast. Come visit us in Obscuria.com. Like us, share us, recommend us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and come see us in Nashville. We're getting closer and closer to this thing in Nashville. And what is that, you're asking? What, what is, is it that? we're talking about? What are you talking about? For those who love it loud, Pantheon Podcast presents Rockin' Pod, Pod Weekend. Weekend. Nashville, March 17th through the 19th. It's a rock convention featuring panels, interviews, podcasts, signing sessions, vinyl, comic books, pop culture, and collectibles. Over 50 celebrity guests, including members of Mr. Big, Tough, Great White, Keel, Winger, Accept, and Twisted Sister. 
Live concerts including Rare Hair on Friday, Keel Fest 2 on Saturday, and Eric Martin's Big Acoustic on Sunday. Plus a rockin' comedy show featuring Courtney Cronin-Dold, Don Jameson from That Metal Show, and Craig Gast from The Howard Stern Show, and a whole lot more. Full details at rockinpod.com. Rockin' Pod Weekend is presented by Pantheon Podcasts in association with RFK Media, Third Power Amplification, and bobbydreyer.com. And we'll just have to tell you what that's all about next week. Stay tuned. Hmm. One should ponder. What could that be? Okay, Robert. Yes. So... This past weekend, I don't know if you knew this or not, I didn't really do a lot of posting, but this past weekend, my band, The Swear, played a really cool gig at a guitar museum in Chattanooga. I didn't know it was going to be at a museum. Yes, it was awesome. What guitar museum? I need to go to this. It's called Songbirds, Mm -hmm. and it's a whole museum like with these modular cases that have old amplifiers, guitar pedals, guitars, and it tells the whole history of the electric guitar. They have, you know, like BB King guitars. Mm -hmm. They have, uh, God, you name a famous guitarist, and they have, it may not be their actual guitar. Sometimes it is. Yeah. But it's just impressive. They have a replica, maybe. They have a replica, or they have a, like, they had two Les Paul prototypes that he had when he was prototyping the Les Paul guitar. It was really, really cool. Anyway, we play a gig there. We opened for David Cook, and it was an interesting setup. They had chairs out and... You know, no no room for standing, so people were definitely going to sit. So there's no mosh pit. No mosh pit for us, you know. It was, was going to be a more intimate setting okay. for this thing. But it was electric, right? It was electric, okay. yes. Yes. And our usual drummer, Kent Oberly, or as we like to say, he couldn't play with us. He is on tour currently with Blackberry Smoke. That's a total name drop I just did. You see what and I did there? Congratulations to him. It's, it sucks the reason that they had to get a new drummer right now because their drummer's got health issues. Well, actually, but. actually, mm-hmm. Kent is kind of there just in case. He's doing teching. Okay. So okay. Britt is playing. Okay. Britt's, he's still Britt's playing. back. He's healthy. He's okay. playing. Because I saw pictures of Kent up on stage. Yeah. I, I yeah. assumed he was playing. Yeah. No, He. I think he played some, but for the most part, I think Britt's back. So, so it, what a good time i mean you know oh, yeah. that's on tour fun so anyway that brandon guy oh yeah and that that brandon guy that we used to play with as well so anyway our drummer for the evening was miss angela lisi who we interviewed at the rock and pod oh, back yeah. in 2021 she was managing jacks that was a good interview and we did an interview with both of them that's episode 90 if you want to go check it out but she is such a badass mm-hmm. behind the kit she just brought it she was i mean just it was interesting because at one point we, we didn't have a lot of room it was a pretty small stage and david yeah. cook's gear was all up there so we're you know shoved in front of it and so basically her symbol was almost touching my back where i had to sing 
where they had the monitors and everything. So I was kind of having to do this kind of thread the needle thing to sing, and then I'd get back out so that people could actually see her because I was standing in front of her. You didn't turn around and whack her with the head of your bass like you did me? I, I did whack her uh, cymbal a couple of times with the headstock of my bass. That was cool. Yeah. Had to tune a little bit. But she was just a total badass. And at one point, I just kind of did this, you know, where you just kind of realize, okay, I want to want to remember the moment because the it's moment. cool. Yes, that's a good lesson. And I, I looked, and you've got Elizabeth, you know, just singing her heart out and playing. And I look to my other side, and there's Angie just killing it on the drums. I'm like, these are two kick-ass women who are playing this gig that's kind of set up to be a more mellow scene mm. and they're just bringing it and they're kicking more ass than, you know, they're delivering the the swagger and the attitude a lot harder than some of the dudes I've played with in the past. And I don't know, it just kind of made me feel good all over. You know, I was like, damn, they're kicking ass. This has to be awesome to see from the audience because mm. I'm sure a lot of people coming to see the show didn't know they were going to get that, you know, just two women just mm. killing it on stage. So it just reminded me that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Uh oh. So, this is there a coincidence that this is the week after Valentine's? It and is the week after Valentine's uh -oh. as well. So. You didn't forget Valentine's? No, you couldn't have forgotten because no. we did a whole episode about it. No, exactly. But tonight we're going to focus on women that truly rock. Ladies that play loud and heavy with attitude, grit, and rasp. Robert, this is episode 166 A Woman Scorned, part four. Dun, dun, dun. You scorn them four times, you are fucking done. Yes. Born out. <laughs> you're, you're out. Yeah, so we've done this a few times. Episode 81, 108, and 130 was the last time we had a episode. And what are we up to? 165? 166. Oh, so close. It's one thing to have women. We've said this before. It's one thing to have women in pop and R&B and country. It's just a tougher gig when you put girls in rock or punk mm -hmm. or metal. It's harder for them to break through that ceiling that is mostly dudes mm. and mostly aggressive dudes. So Sausage fest. This is, uh, you know, if these ladies playing these bands here, you're pretty good for a chick band. They will make you pay for that. Yeah. Tenfold. So do not scorn, especially a woman who plays in rock and punk and metal. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to hear some awesome bands that have female either fronting them or an all-female band. So the first song, Robert, I hope you're ready to salute. For our first song, we must go to the international rock and roll capital of Sweden. They like singing. <laughs> All right, so we got the Swedish national anthem out of the way. So we mentioned a few episodes ago the drama in the band Thunder Mother. The Thunder Mother camp was yes. rocked with some news about a split between the guitarist and the rest of the band. And I just noticed that a week prior to that, one week prior to that, mm -hmm. the then-current bass player, Mona Lindgren, released a solo single. Mm. Don't know if there's any coincidence to this, mm. but she released a solo Could single. Be. She was promoting it, and she actually is a guitarist. She was doing her own thing in her own band called Demona before Thunder Mother. Mm -hmm. They picked her up because... Thunder Mother has had their fair share of bass players. She was the fourth bass player for Thunder Mother, but she's a guitarist and she's a badass guitarist. So it would have been interesting if they would have found another bass player and then put two guitarists in there. Oh, wow. That could have been really, really cool. But they mm. that's the original Thunder Mother had two guitarists. And then remember that whole band got axed 
in 2017. Yeah, she made a clean cut. Yeah, and now Philippus made a clean cut again. But I want to play the single that Demona released. And in fact, as soon as she released it, I went out and downloaded it. And I let her know how good it was. And she got right back to me. She must have been online. She's like, thank <laughs> she you very much. She was waiting for you. She's when is Kevin going to get back yeah, to me about She's this like, single? I, what is the crazy? I'm dying to know what he thinks about this single. When's crazy Uber fan going <laughs> to let me know something? Yeah, so it's a killer, killer video as well. It's called Corporate Hell by Demona. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. I think you've been there. <laughs> and she does a good job of playing two parts of one of being this corporate girl in an office and the other being this rock and roll girl who's destroying the office. So it's pretty fun. Mm. She had to have a lot of fun making that. Talk about a woman scorned, by the way. We'll play this song in a second, but... But I'm looking forward to whatever Guernica, Emily, and Mona put together next because I have a feeling their next album may be a bit angry. We shall see. Thanks for good material. But for now, I'll give you a little corporate hell.
badass. Not what I was expecting. I was expecting more metal and rock and the blues coming out of her. It's amazing that she's from, where is she? Sweden. Over, over there? Yeah, she's from Sweden. Way over there? <laughs> yes. Across the pond? A Scandinavian lady. Yeah, yes. And didn't grow up in the swamps of Louisiana no, or, no. or New Orleans or something. Swamps of Stockholm. Yeah, do they have swamps over there? I don't, I don't know. know. I'll have to Maybe. Google that. If you were. But it's so very impressive. The subject matter that always speaks to me because it's. It resonates, yes. resonates quite a bit because <laughs> it's very comical to think back to my four months that I spent in corporate hell when I first moved to Atlanta, right before I met you, yep. that I thought that's what I wanted. I had been training for this for five years, going to college, getting a degree in business. And I want to, you know, child of the eighties, this is what you do. And then when I got there, I went, Whoa, this is what you do every day. No, God, no, hell no. Fuck no, 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 no. (laughs) Coat and tie every day. I've never felt so disheveled Uh, and frumpy and just, ugh. Did you have have a cubicle? I had a freaking cubicle and I probably told this too, but so it was downtown Atlanta, 10th floor of this building, maybe eighth floor, I don't know, somewhere high up, but next door was the hard rock cafe on top of the hard rock cafe was this giant what their sign was a giant globe and it would rotate right outside my window i'm looking dead eyes right at this globe within the first two weeks it became the metaphor of the world is just passing me by (laughs) every day all day the world just sat there and mocked me it's passing me by as i'm stuck in this cubicle doing you know entry not entry level but like two steps above entry level because i'd already worked my way up a little bit but i was on my way you know i could see the progression and I was like, oh yeah, no. And I, God, I'm so glad I quit and started working construction. I went from wingtips to work boots and it sounds like a bad country song, but it's absolutely true. The movie <laughs> Office, was Office Space? Office Space. At yes. the end of the movie, they're all working construction. They're happier than ever. That was me. That was the same year, 1995. That movie was like this biggest epiphany when I saw it. I'm like, yes, I understand now. <laughs> Go out, get dirty, build stuff, break stuff. I'm so much happier now. It's a Mike Judge movie. That's yeah, it was. Beavis and Butthead guy. It was supposed to be just this comedy for me. This just like this. Oh I used God. to watch it all the time. Yeah, when I could, would get home from a really bad. It day. would be on cable all the time. Uh-huh. I had a rough day. Tell me about it, man. Uh, oh, I gotta wake my ass up at six a.m. every day this week. <clears throat> Drag up to Las Galindas. Yeah, I'm doing the drywall up there at the new McDonald's. Let me ask you something. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Shit, no, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Yeah, it's just a classic. So yeah, that that yeah. song, in addition to being a great song, that subject matter, you're going to get my attention every time just because I was not cut out for that last time. You are amazing that you can put up with that stuff. <laughs> for over 20 years. 20 years you've put up with that. <laughs> it just shows you're a patient guy. You can put up with a lot of crap. I can't. I'm not very patient. Well, I will say the best thing that COVID gave us was the work, work from, from home. home. I bet. You deserve that. It's a whole different ballgame. You get though. to see your daughters a lot more, and I know that's a big perk. So I want to talk about a post that Mona put on her Demona, Demona. Facebook this week. And I just have to say, when are we going to make our trip to the Scandinavian countries. Dude, they'll give us their phone number. I'll be over there in two weeks. I she, got a passport. She just got a gig playing with a band called Donna Cannon, who is a Swedish band, who are opening the Scandinavian 2023 tour called Death to Faults AOR. It is the Night Flight Orchestra's <gasps> tour through Scandinavia. Oh my and God. Mona is the opening band. 
Come on. Can you imagine, man? Come on. Bring that shit to the States, man. Come on. You got a place to crash. Look at this picture. <laughs> <laughs> we, look. We, it's an executioner with a keytar. We, <laughs> we could have got Brandon to do that. Totally. No, look. You got a place to crash. You've got a band van ready to go. What more do you need? I'll, I'll pay for the gas. For like the first two cities. If you don't know who the Night Flight Orchestra are, you need to go back and listen to our full episode that we did on them. Seventy twelve, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yes, eleven. That was it. Yes. So we love the Night Flight Orchestra. We They're do. amazing, and you put that group of musicians together. It's worth the plane ticket. What's a plane ticket to Sweden? I don't know. I've never bought one. I don't know. That My one. wife's getting ready to go to London, so I'll, I'll tell you what that is. And That's we could tackle probably about the same. Yeah. I think it's in the general vicinity, so it's in that part of the world. Part of the world where there's not a lot of war going on. Not, I don't want to go to the other place. Bad news over there right now. Well, I know one place I probably will not be going anytime soon. That's Indonesia. But that is exactly where our next band are from. It's beautiful there. I'm sure it is. I just that's a long way. Yeah, so it's a long. It's a long. Yeah, it's you got to plan thing. that one out. That, you can't just do a weekend no, there. You no. got to make it. Yeah. So our next band was actually recommended to me by the ladies in Thunder Mother last year. They were playing a bunch of festival dates, and they kept posting about bands that they were playing with, or mm. people. They would post pictures of them with other bands. And one post that I saw was singing the praises of this band called Voice of, and I'm going to murder this, Voice of Bacheprot. I think is the way you say it. Bacheball? Bacheprot. So Bacheprot. It's an Indonesian all-girl band. They sing in English, mm-hmm. but also Sundanese, which is the language they speak. Mm-hmm. And apparently Bacheprot means noisy in Sundanese. And they got invited to play a bunch of festivals last year. They've only put out an EP and some singles over the last couple of years, but they're getting invited to play these big festivals in Europe and other places. They play heavy music, but they wear their traditional Islamic garb due to their religion. Right. First so time. it's it's yeah. very odd looking when you see these girls rocking out, but they're wearing, you know, fully head. Well, this is like the Japanese band that wore the traditional kimonos and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's similar to that. Yeah. Rock music. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's a little striking when you see it. Yeah. I can imagine, especially if you're at a festival and you don't know who the band is and you see that and you're like, whoa, that's different. Now, they've been criticized by the more conservative Muslims. I would imagine so. One, they're girls, and yes. two, they're playing this kind of music. The devil's music. Yes. But their lyrics, this is interesting. Their lyrics are actually written by their former school teacher. A theater teacher is the person that told them that they had some talent and mm-hmm. helped them kind of launch their career and is now their manager. But he also writes their lyrics. So their lyrics are more Muslim-based lyrical content mm-hmm. so that they don't get in trouble, basically. They're walking that line. So yeah. I respect yeah, so that. They're playing like heavy stuff, but it's yeah, not going over the edge of saying something that would right. get them in trouble because, yeah. you know, it's pretty strict religion from my understanding and yeah so they've released a few singles in an ep and like i said they got this high praise from thunder mother so i checked them out they've also gotten high praise from guns and roses living color and red hot chili peppers have all made statements about this band and saw them and are promoting them so check out their song their very first single they ever put out from 2018 called school revolution
Well, I can't really speak too much on the lyrical content of that song, but I totally understand why the Chili Peppers like them. Mm-hmm. Very easy to yep. see the similarities. And I, I could, it's fun. It was definitely upbeat, rocking, but got to call bullshit. They completely ripped off that intro from a song I wrote 25 years ago. Well, Thank I was going to say, much. you didn't know how far your reach was. Well, yeah, they when totally we were got a hold Big of our Jack. first CD, second CD, first when one. When we were in Big Jack Pneumatic, mm-hmm. there was a song very similar to that, at least the start of the it. The intro, yeah, not the whole song. And, uh, you know, we just didn't know our reach back yeah. then. We had no idea. Theirs was much better, but still, <laughs> I, I did it first. <laughs> It definitely yeah. sounded a lot like one of our songs. <laughs> it's like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> but I, I I appreciate that. It's just back to basics, fun, kind of loose. You know, later on, we boiled the songs down a little bit more, and they were a little tighter and, you know, more verse, chorus, verse, chorus. But originally, it's just whatever we felt like doing, and that seemed like what they were it's doing. It's kind of what they're doing, Whatever yeah. they felt like they wanted to do. I dig it. I have their other singles as well. I happen to like this one. It just... I think because it reminds me of just that yeah, looseness that, familiarity you know, this there. is a young band just figuring it yeah. out and having fun. Like and Anthony Kiedis had walked into the room while we were playing and just started you know, <laughs> ad-libbing stuff. Right. That's kind of what it would have come out as. Yeah, it's got a little system of a down vibe yeah. to it as well. Back even up. the guitar. Put it back up. Exactly. Get it up. Guitar tones even Threads. sound a little like them. <laughs> no idea what he was saying. I don't know. Whatever. Chop suey. Yeah, I never, that was, <laughs> never got into that. Oh, I liked it. Did you? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was just... Like, but I, I never figured out what he was saying. Somebody having a complete mental hemorrhage just... <laughs> and his head explodes. Did you get that on tape? Yeah, okay, cut that. That's the single. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. And it was. <laughs> <laughs> Made them lots of money. Yeah, so really dig this band. Go check them out. Like I said, just an EP and some singles, so not going to cost you much to go check them out and pick it up and support these ladies from Indonesia. It's pretty impressive. It is. The community is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They say rock is dead. No. It's just moved dead. overseas. It's just it's just not here. <laughs> it's just not here. You got <laughs> America gentrified rock and roll speaking, so now you got to go other places. And that's not true because we're going to bring it right back to the US of A. We're going to talk about a band from Philly. Sorry about the Super Bowl. A band from Philly that we played one time way back in episode five. It's been since 2019 that we've played this band. And this is a band that I saw live pre-pandemic, obviously. They blew me away. They were so damn good live. I saw them by myself. I went to the 529 in, was that, that East Maine? Atlanta? No, oh, East no, that's Atlanta. Five, yeah, I'm thinking of the other one up in Beaufort. No, no, not that one. And yeah, they were just so good. They basically have a street 70s, 80s rock look. I mean, they look like they stepped out of 1981 when they get on stage, but they're young. And it's just kind of a punk rock vibe, but it's got that 70s, 80s kind of loose rock sound. So it's a cool mix. And when I saw this band, they had three guitars. But wow. what, what makes them truly unique 
is the voice of the singer Christina Halliday, who just has this amazing presence on stage, but her voice is just so, it's bizarre, I'll say it. It's okay. just a bizarre sounding voice. I absolutely love it. The name of the band is Sheer Mag, and they should be due for a new album. They have two albums and a couple EPs, and this year should be the year they put out their third album, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to play from the very first album I heard from them in 2017. The name of the album is Need to Feel Your Love. The name of the song I'm going to play is called Turn It Up. Yeah. 
essence of Joan Jett, maybe. <laughs> I, I know it's, it's unique, true. yes. Yes. And <laughs> you said, and you know, that 70s and eight, early 80s kind of essence. And I'm like, like okay. Like coming together. Somewhere somehow. in there, the guitars were a little different. Not bad. Just like the leave, just a little different. And it had, I wish I could, I need to hear another couple of songs because I want to hear more of that. And in live, I bet you that was really good. That recording was a little low. Yeah, it's, it's little, a little low budget. Low budget. A little but low budget. I could, yeah. Live would have a lot more energy to it. That'd so, be fun. So good live. Please yeah. keep an eye out for them and let me know if they come back around again. They I'd will be, I'm that. sure. And I'm sure they'll be playing a place where we could go and just have a drink and hang out with them. You know, it's, it shouldn't be a big place. So, so after the fun. show, like, yeah. all right, come on over. Let's, yeah, but they... Um, brought some chicken wings. Here you go. You hungry? We've <laughs> <laughs> got some uh, barbecue from uh, Tight Mike. Yeah, that's right. He's at the, uh, you know what? I can make a call. He can meet us there. That's nice. You know, there's some people have celebrities on their speed dial. I got tight mic. Got type, he yeah. is a celebrity. I used to have Diamond Dom, Dallas Page, but I don't want to call him anymore. No, I think that's <laughs> no, those days are done. I've stopped calling him. <laughs> I don't think that's the only celebrity I've got on my phone. But yeah, now Type Mike, I'd rather have that than all the celebrities. So Christina Halliday, her voice to me is like a if Brian Johnson either had a daughter or a little sister. True. <laughs> that's kind of what she has. Look gravelly, it's but just, not horrible. It's so unique, her voice. And it sounds like that whether she's singing a ballad or a rocker. <laughs> Yeah, it's like just like Brian Johnson. Like the voice doesn't change. They don't, okay, let's let's bring the lights down. Couple yeah, skate, no. couple yeah. skate only. No, no, not a ballad. No. Not a. They're gonna do a power ballad, and it's gonna sound just like that. And, and they have them. They have them. They have oh, like the, yeah. they run the whole gamut. In fact, they a lot of their songs are in that kind of seventies chill vibe. Yeah. Just kind of smoother FM mm. kind of rock, it, kind of AOR ish, but in between punk and that. It's, it's but her such voice a is more punk. Sound. Her voice is definitely punk. And then you got the seventies. Yeah, it's a unique AOR band. I, I keep saying the same word, but I, I can't think of another huh. description for well, it. It's just it. cool. All right, so next we're going to jump into a band that our friend and listener Jason Kearney sent my way, and we've already played this band once because they did a killer killer version of a 90s cover and we played it on our covers from beyond episode 162 not too long ago Mm. they did a killer version of megadeth symphony of destruction but jason has specifically said if you're going to do another woman scorn you got to showcase cassandra carson who sings in this band the life project and so we've already mentioned them i'm sure you remember everything about them you want to go ahead and fill us in so it was that time that we had a podcast yes and you were talking about this band yeah Uh, they're really good What's the other uh, members that you remember? The, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, right? You're Kevin. I'm Robert. They're, oh, the no, members. no, no, no. Oh, the podcast or the band? No, no, the band. Oh, no. It was uh, Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll take it. Uh, yeah. I'll take it from here. Okay. Yeah, so I don't the, want to take your thunder. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, so the Life Project is a group put together by Josh Rand, who was in Stone Sour, and it features Cassandra Carson, who was from a band called Paralandra. And I think I told you last time, her dad is the guitarist in that band. That's right. Yeah. But she joined Josh for this kind of project thing, which makes sense because they call it the Life Project. That's mm-hmm. see, that's very ah. smart. Two EPs so far. Apparently, there is a full-length album coming out this year. But I want to play not a cover. I want to play from their other EP, which has original songs on it. So I'm going to play the song Purgatory.
singer from Evanescence. Was it Amy? Amy, Amy Evans? Amy Lee. Uh, Amy Lee. Yeah, so she's got definitely hints of that, or not hints, strong elements of that, but a little more guttural, a little more raspy. Yeah, but still definitely. A lower, lower voice. Yeah, too, but right? it's like a throttle. I mean, you can pull it back, she can hit the soft notes, very melodic, and then just pour it on when you hit, really get down dirty with it. And kind of like Evanescence, they have like a, a little bit of gothic metal yes. thrown in there. I mean, that- Yeah, the, pre- I love the guitar tone. Yeah. Love that. That pre-chorus with mm-hmm. the bells in there, yeah. it's the, kind of the most melodic part of the song. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely love the pre-chorus. It actually blows the chorus away because the chorus, by the time she gets to the chorus, it's all she can give out of her upper register to just kind of scream. Mm-hmm. But the pre-chorus is so strong. It's got a good build. But you know what is missing? What's that? Is some guy. Wake me up. That, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's totally when I make. That's when I don't play this song. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that's what killed I yeah. never listened to Evanescence nope. until probably what was it two months ago when you said give him a shot and I did yeah without him without that yeah yeah without the uh, stupid oh, yeah. rap guy it was a great song and as soon as it came on it was in that phase where every song had to have that guttural scream that oh, oh it's like a temper tantrum type scream <laughs> and they would find a way to work it into every damn song Ugh, and horrible. that's kind of when I stopped listening to rock up until this show came out right. but yeah that somewhere in a retirement home in 30 years somebody's gonna be going so sir what'd you do for a living uh i was that guy in evanescence that did the wake me up part yeah made like three hundred thousand dollars from it and then i went into real estate it's totally <laughs> <laughs> steve samson real estate <laughs> i like this band it's a little bit on that modern rock side of heavy that i don't always gravitate towards yeah. but for some reason it's different and her voice to me is just phenomenal i think mm. it's got the it's just got that gut that grit and rasp in her with her voice. singing that I would listen to it you're, but you're right though, most of that modern rock you, you stuff put, you put some guy with a lower register nah, kind of baritone thing nah, with that no I'm not, not listening no doesn't do it for but me but it, it definitely works with her voice it makes it I don't know striking okay you ready to get in your way back machine let's do it man. let's get in the way back machine present is very boring let's go back alright so next we're gonna talk about a local Atlanta band sorta Okay. All right. So I'm going to set the scene for you in the Wayback Machine here. In 1988, a very young Kevin Williams was an avid reader of all the metal mags of the time. Rip, Hit Parader, Circus, Metal Edge. If you could get it at a grocery store and it had long hair guys on the cover, I would buy it. (laughs) (laughs) That was called... No, never mind. That was my internet. <laughs> that was, those were sold at the grocery store. <laughs> oh, no, not those. Dumbass. <laughs> no, this was pre-internet. This is how we found out about bands and music that we liked. We had to read magazines, basically. Or if you lived in a town where they allowed MTV, you could watch MTV. But I didn't have that. No, they didn't allow it in either, either one of our towns yet yes. until like 82, 83. So, no, this was 88. Oh, 88. I'm oh, sorry, I forgot that part. We, yeah. I went too far back. Yeah, no, 88. So I'm reading about all these new bands and this is how I would find out about what I'm going to put on my wish list and mm-hmm. what I'm going to go purchase a lot of times without even hearing the band. If I read about it and it got a good review, I was like, well, that's all I need. Peer pressure. I know I like it. And so I was reading about this band who was called Warrant. And they sounded like something I would like mm-hmm. from reading about them. And they had long hair. But they actually didn't have an album out yet. I didn't know that. I'm. It's 1988. I'm, I'm a dumbass. I'm just reading things and going, oh, I'm reading about this band called Warrant. I just assumed they had an album out. They didn't have one out yet. But, but they were talking about them just to build them up. Yeah. That same year, 1988, I saw my very first real concert. And I was seventh row for Van Halen's 
OU812 tour. That's such a great show. I'm, I wish I would have seen that. Absolutely amazing. I can still remember what Sammy and Eddie were wearing. That's that's how much it's etched in my brain. And it was so 80s, Van Halen. Too, oh, it was. It was the 90s. So 80s. Yeah, it was leading into the... So Eddie's still running around. It's before he had hip replacement. Exactly. It was, <laughs> and, and I remember he was wearing a yellow t-shirt and jeans. Like, he was mm-hmm. not dressed up for this one at all. Sammy was wearing, like, a button-up white shirt. You know, it was real loose on him. You know, yeah. he wears all this stuff. And he was wearing, like khaki pants and what are those shoes that were like kind of khaki color with the orange soles they had a name i forget what they that, call those things but that's what he oh, was wearing yeah, on stage like boat shoes or something something like, like that yeah, in florida we, everything was just boat he looked shoes. like he had just gotten off from vacation at cabo and probably yeah, he probably did. did to step off the plane yeah but that's they were just you know they were just being themselves yeah. and doing whatever they it was, wanted it was post spandex exactly you they go weren't. look at 84 van halen right. with david spandex everywhere yeah bandage um, handkerchiefs bandanas that's what i said right <laughs> not yeah. bandages bandanas sorry gotcha yeah so they weren't trying to put on any sort of rock star garb but the band that opened for van halen i didn't know who they were and they had a female lead vocalist and a female keyboard player and they were pretty damn good you know she probably told us what the name of the band was but i just didn't remember it i did remember her telling us that eddie was producing their band and that's how they got the gig Mm -hmm. but this was in charlotte north carolina and my first gig so you know i was it was great man i just etched in my brain except for the name of that band i didn't know who they were so fast forward about a month or two and i'm at the mall in charlotte north carolina again at the record bar you remember the record bar no. in the malls no we didn't no. have a record bar oh they called it the record bar yeah. in in the north carolina malls it was a chain yeah no we, we had uh, turtles in, or in atlanta like they had turtles yeah. yeah so i was at the record bar and they had this big oh i'm sorry it was camelot now it just oh, popped camelot, camelot. yes we, it wasn't turtles it was camelot one. yeah Yeah, it was either Record Bar or Camelot in the ones I went to. Anyway, I see this big display and it says on it, it has a a picture of a bunch of musicians around some motorcycles and they all have long hair. And I'm like, hmm, that's cool. Looks like something I would like. And the name of the band is big on this display and it says Witness. Witness. Starts with a W. W. I'm like, oh, that's that band I was reading about that I thought I was going to like. No, that was Warrant that I'd been reading about, but I didn't know this. Warrant's album wasn't out yet. So I bought the tape thinking I was getting Warrant's tape. Mm Mm-hmm. And I get it home, and I didn't realize it in the picture because every band back then had dudes in it. And they all so I wasn't looking at it that hard. Look like a lady. They're all yeah. They all have long hair, hair. and I, so I didn't look at it that close. But no, the singer in this band is is female, and I wasn't really other than Joan Jett. I wasn't really into bands with girls singing for whatever reason. It just wasn't my thing. I listened to it a couple of times. I'm like, uh, it's all right. It's not what I I, I thought I was getting more. And so I, I didn't think much of it. And then I thought, oh, you know what? I bet this is that. Band band that I saw open for Van Halen. So I just assumed that Witness was the band mm-hmm. that I saw and that was the story that I told people. But that you were not, But I was I was wrong. You were not correct. I was wrong. I was no. wrong on both accounts. It was not Warrant <laughs> for one, and two, Witness were not the band that opened for Van Halen, mm-hmm. but who they were was a band from Atlanta, Georgia, and they were signed to Arista Records in 1986 under the name Native. So when they were in Atlanta, they were called Native. Mhm. They got signed. They got moved out to San Francisco. When they got to San Francisco, the producers like redid everything. Nope, we're going to change your name to Witness. Mm -hmm. And they featured the lead singer. Her name was Debbie Davis. They featured her. Their guitarist was Damon Johnson. 
We'll talk about him in a minute. And the keyboardist was Joey Huffman. So those are two names that we'll talk about. But they didn't play on their album because back then, a lot of times the producers would sign you to these deals, especially for your debut album, and they would basically bring in whoever they wanted to try to make Flavor of the Month Mm -hmm. music for you. So that's what they did. After they signed and went to San Francisco, the producers brought in Neil Sean and Michael Bolton. What? To finish their album and write the songs. Damn. (laughs) I mean, it's fun to make fun of Michael Bolton. But still, he's talented. And he wrote he wrote a hit for Kiss. Yes. Oh, my God. Did what? I just say it? Yes. He wrote a song. Gene's calling you right now. Your phone's going to blow up in a second. He did. He wrote a song for those guys in Kiss. Around the same time. There's your Kiss connection with a K. Yeah, Michael Bolton wrote Forever with Paul Stanley. I, You know, I thought I'd heard that before. In and 1989. Now, I will never forget that. Na- he was top of the world then, though. He, he still was. had his mullet. Oh, yeah. Curly he mullet. Every adult contemporary chart, he was top of that. So they thought they I were. I hated him. They thought, I did too. They thought they were bringing these guys in to make a Yeah, just knock it hit. out of the park. Neil Sean, I mean, come on. He's now, when it came to actually recording the album for Witness, Neil played on it. They brought in Steve Smith from Journey mm-hmm. to play drums. So their drummer didn't get to play on his album. Uh, let's see. Night Ranger guitarist Brad Gillis came in. To do some leads. Yeah. 38 special guitarists. Danny Chauncey came in to do some leads. So they're all featured on this album. So the only person in the band that actually is on the album is the singer. So it's one of the bigger super groups that's ever been formed (laughs) on paper, but yet it didn't ever exist at the same time. Now, if, if the other names sounded familiar, so Damon Johnson would leave this band... Not very happy because yeah, he didn't get to play on his own album. He didn't get to write his songs. And he would go form a band called Brother Kane. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember Brother Kane or not. Then he would later be the guitarist for Alice Cooper and then Thin Lizzy and then Black Star Riders. So Damon Johnson's been out there for a while. He's a phenomenal guitarist. And the man didn't, get, yeah. man didn't even get to play on his own album back then in 88. So kind of, I, I can imagine that would have been tough. Debbie Davis left this band. So obviously this band didn't work. It didn't blow up. It didn't do anything. Well, it wasn't really a band. I know. It was like, I guess <laughs> bring you guys in here, but then you go right out the other door and we're bringing these other musicians and then yeah. we'll just change the name. And yeah, there's nothing left of the original band. And they put them on tour with Leonard Skinner. That, no. Which, I guess, late 80s Leonard Skinner, so they were having their comeback, you know, with the new singer, Uh, another Van Zandt. And... It, but they put this band with them. It doesn't quite work because they're they're doing more standard hard rock, yeah, than than kind of the country. It's because they're from Atlanta originally. Maybe they thought maybe, yeah. Rednecks will like them down there. But Debbie Davis did leave after Witness, uh, you know, didn't work, and she became a backup singer for Leonard Skinner in the nineties. Wow, okay. so it worked out for her. She made some connections then. Yeah, got a good paycheck from that. I'm going to play from this album. Now, I lost this tape years ago, mm-hmm. but I was doing a little research because I, I thought, you know, I never really found out who that band was did that opened look, for Van Halen. Did you look up the tour dates and so I found So I finally found it on a Van Halen kind of archive site who that band was. It is not Witness, as I said, but I want to play Witness because it reminded me that I had bought this thinking that might have been We'll, we'll save the other band for another episode. Yeah, we'll see. So anyway, Debbie has an awesome voice, mm-hmm. and when I go back and listen to it now, I have a new appreciation for it. It's pretty AORE hard rock, but I'm going to play one that's pretty damn cool, I think. <laughs> Since I saw you lie 
All right, you have to run down who were the musicians on that recording. Well, I know who they say played on it, but you they're ghost musicians, so you don't know who actually played those leads. So yeah. that could have been Brad Gillis. It kind of mm. sounds like it could be that Night Ranger guy. Yeah. It could have just been Neil Sean. But I was wondering, it didn't it sounded more Van Halen than it did Neil Sean. So, so I'm I'm thinking Brad Gillis. I think Brad Gillis. And then the other option would have been Danny Chauncey from Thirty Eight Special. I'm not as familiar with his no, work. And I, I don't I don't know. That's but it's wild to think about that because what I was also thinking about was nineteen eighty eight, who else hit it really big that year? Lita Ford. Mm-hmm. With uh, her duet with Ozzy. Kiss Me Deadly. Kiss Me Deadly, all, that, all yeah. that stuff. She was riding high on all that stuff. I wonder if they were just looking for anything else to throw at the wall like oh grab all the female singers you can let's make some hard rock and make a lot of money now the rest of the album doesn't sound to me that's the best song on the album the rest of yeah. it doesn't have exactly that that kind of rocking mm-hmm. some of it gets really heavy keyboardy um, it was 88 so yeah. over the top whereas in that song they were doing more of a deep purple Hammond organ mm-hmm. kind of thing which is actually really damn cool it's good but <laughs> that was kind of weird in, 18, in, 88. in 88 that's it weird it would have been synth bit. not Hammond yeah. well I mean they did have what deep purple had that comeback in the kind that of mid 80s yeah this mid 80s yeah. yeah but so. by 88 over the top was the standard procedure for everything yeah but they put them on tour with leonard skinner that's yeah that's where uh, like especially worked, if you hear the other song worked out for her but yeah so that band unfortunately didn't go anywhere but it's interesting because the players are phenomenal yeah. on it you could tell they had some skills yeah <laughs> Now, back to the previous story of young Kevin going to his first arena concert in 1988 and some band with a powerful female front woman. Was it Witness? No. No. Was it Vixen? Nope. No. Femme Fatale? That was another no, one that was no. out. Uh, no. no, it wasn't them. Baby Animals? N- no, no, it wasn't Baby Animals. There's one, one more. Thanks to vharchives.com. I did a search a few months ago, and I found out, finally, after all these years, I just never looked, but I looked recently... Who was the band that opened for Van Halen on October the 7th, 1988 at the Charlotte Coliseum? Their name was Private Life. And they opened the tour, 0812, after, if you remember, Van Halen did the Monsters of Rock tour in the summer. So it was Van Halen headlining, Scorpions, Dokken, Metallica, Kingdom Come. They did that all through the summer. And then when it got to fall, when I saw Van Halen, they were on their own doing the Coliseum kind of tours, you know, the arena tours. They had Private Life, but I never heard of Private Life before. Came and went. They had two albums, and when I found out who they were, I went on to Discogs, and I just went ahead and ordered both their albums. Sure, what, that's what not? you do. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually pretty damn good. It's a Los Angeles quintet formed by a guitarist named Danny Johnson, and the keyboard player was Jennifer Blakeman. Now, Johnson had played with Rick Derringer and Rod Stewart, and he was in the band Axis, and he was also in Alcatraz. And then he's also known as the guitar player for Alice Cooper on one of his Blackout albums, Special Forces. You know, those albums yeah. where Alice doesn't remember a thing. Everybody else remembers, but yeah. Alice does not. Yeah, so he was one of Alice Cooper's guitarists as well. So he had a pretty good pedigree. And he put this band together, Private Life, and somehow he got a connection to Edward Van Halen. And both of their albums are produced by Eddie. So the first one's produced by Eddie and Don Landy, and that came out in 88. And their second self-titled album was produced by Eddie and Ted Templeman, who was the same guy that produced all the early Van Halen stuff. Eddie believed in them then. That came out in 1990. And so I guess when I saw them, 
they were touring on their first album, but they did a whole second album with Eddie after that. But I never heard of them after I no. saw them live. And obviously I couldn't remember their name even. So they didn't do a very good job of marketing that night to me, a young 16 year old. Or, or the Flyers. Where was their street team? Exactly. Handing out those Where coupons. People? So both albums sound like a mix of 80s heart and late 80s Van Halen with a little bit more dancey, poppy keyboard style okay. to them. So it's listenable. It's super dated, has not aged well, but it's fun to kind of go back and listen to with an thinking of the 80s. Right. You know, it's very 80s context. Yeah. The vocalist's name is Kelly Bresnick, and she had a, I remember live, you know, even though I wasn't into, at that time, bands with girl lead singers, other other than Joan Jett. For some reason, Joan Jett was cool. Well, she was. No one else could hold a candle to Joan Jett, in my opinion, back then. But anyway, she has a really killer voice. But when I looked her up, I thought, oh, she had to go on and do other things, because they only put out these two albums. Nothing else until 2014. She's on a Christian album with some Christian group called The Sweet Potatoes. Oh, wow. Hello. Playing acoustic guitar. Oh, okay. So I guess she just decided to change direction completely Mm -hmm. until 2014. Sweet potato souffle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A little brown sugar, a little marshmallow topping on it. Yeah. So I'm going to play a song from their second album that came out in 1990. It's called Touch Me. And it has a little, just a little hint. You can tell there's a little Edward in there. A little Edward Van Halen hint sprinkled in here. Okay, put a touch on it. Think, you know, late 80s, early 90s Van Halen. That's kind of what sprinkled When he broke out the drill. This is probably pre-drill. Pre-drill? Pre-drill. There's no drill right before the drill. So here's Private Life, the band that I finally figured out who they were.
Stephen Pierce, he sounded really good, but I couldn't hear the female vocalist you were talking about. <laughs> yes, that was slightly dated, but it, gloriously cheesy. That's some gourmet cheese right there. That, I actually really like it because it's so damn cheesy. Yes, yes. There's a lot of stuff that it aged well. We've heard it a lot because it aged well. Like we keep listening to stuff that's really good. All, you know, the Metallica, things like that. Van Halen. It's aged very well. I love it. But this is the stuff that makes you cringe a little bit, but it's kind of fun. The drum sounds that they use. And it's so interesting that this is Edward Van Halen and Ted Templeman producing mm-hmm. this music. And they basically stole Prince's drum sounds. Re- yes. It's total Prince. From the uh, uh, Batman soundtrack. The Batman soundtrack. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what it sounds like. I couldn't like. picture that's Bad exactly dance. what I was trying to think was the Prince, which Prince w- sound. Which Absolutely. would have been a year before this came out. Oh, no. Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. Edward. 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 Scolding him from beyond the grave. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I, I could listen to little, more of that. Did you get a little sprinkling, though, like in the pre chorus? If you had Michael Anthony coming in and going, ah. It would have been Van Halen. It totally would have been. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. After all these years, I figured out who it was. and You saw that live. I saw it, yeah. Touch my sweet potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) That nice little church-going girl singing about touching me. After she sang that, she had to get religion. Good Lord. (laughs) Get all religious up in here. I say good Lord. Mm, Girl. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Insert Reverend Eugene Williams. Oh, from that, that little snippet. <laughs> <laughs> but your flesh is, is weak. <laughs> All right. The last band tonight is actually a local band. And I got to see this band open for Mr. Rich Ward when he brought Stuck Mojo back about six years ago. And he played a show in Canton, Georgia, where he lives. And the big metropolis up there. Yes, the big metropolis. Just yes. the foothills. It's not quite the mountains. It's the foothills. So as you leave Atlanta and you go north, your traffic yeah, starts on, to thin On your out. way to Tennessee. Yeah, it, it takes, without traffic, you're still taking 40 minutes to get up there. So with traffic, mm-hmm. which is on every single damn day around here, you know, an hour and a half to get there from here. Exactly. But once yeah. you get there, it's really nice. So Rich lives up there and he has this place where I think he goes to church and then they convert it to a, a music venue every once in a while and he puts on these shows. Rock and, and roll churches, man. It's a rock and roll church. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I saw Stuck Mojo there and this band was one of the bands that he brought on to open. Their name is Die Once. And they were heavy, like more modern heavy, which is kind of what you would assume would be mm-hmm. opening for Stuck Mojo. And if you don't know Stuck Mojo, it was one of the premier rap metal bands before that whole scene exploded yeah they were the like, per- they were the pioneers, to it, pioneers. Yeah. but anyway i digress we'll go back to die once they were heavy melodic they had a really powerful vocalist and her name was melanie morgan and like i said i saw them in march of 2017 i got their ep while i was there and kind of forgot about it you know i put it in the collection and sort of forgot about it and then a couple years ago i put it in shuffle you know and that came up and i was like damn that's pretty good stuff i like it her voice is really good and it's it takes kind of like the the life project it takes that heavy sound that could be a little generic if you had a guy who had a deeper register was singing Mm -hmm. to it and you put this powerful female voice with it and it, it gives it a little lift a little kick so i actually liked it so i did a little research i wanted to play this song and I did a little research just to see what happened to them. 
and I again I sold him in March of 2017. Looks like she left the band. The singer left the band just two months after I saw them due to health reasons. And it said that on their Facebook page. And then they got a, they were naming a new singer named Rachel Parsons. And I guess they gigged with Rich again because Rich brought Fozzie to the same location and they did a Fozzie show and they opened again but with a different singer. And it looks like they haven't been active on socials since the pandemic. So since 2020, there's there's no other posts. Mm-hmm. So not sure if they just called it a day during the pandemic or, or what. Changed names and moved on. Doesn't look like they recorded anything else either. So there's the one EP with the lady who, who had to leave two months after I saw them. But it's a pretty damn good recording. The name of the EP is Sacrifice, and I'm going to play the title song, Sacrifice. From 2017, this is Die Once. <laughs>
supposed to be talking about the singer, but holy hell, that guitar player. Those leads were amazing. It sounded so effortless. I want to kick him in the nuts. Like, you think God, you f- make it sound so easy, but I know it's not. You think he's a fan of Slash? Oh, yeah, a whole lot of Slash going on yeah, there. Yeah, there's a lot of Slash <laughs> and left and right. And, uh, and the intro, what was that nasty sounding? Was the guitar or the bass making that? Lo- it was like drop, extra drop D, yeah, Z, or K, or drop K. It's that new metal, whatever, whatever that low that, B thing yes, is they that make, they do. Just making up notes. and God, that sounded good. And the singer was great, too. I mean, I don't want to ignore her completely, but the, I'm sorry. On that song, the guitar player stole the show. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting that they, I mean, I like the song, but there's no chorus. No. It's just her singing over a lot of leads yes. and rhythm. And that's all I was paying attention to. And there's, but there's never there's never a pre-chorus or chorus. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> It's like the very end it of the works. song, I realized, I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. what, what are we talking about here? Yeah. What's the hook? It was, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it worked for what they did. Yeah. But it was a different way to write a song. Different. Yeah, it was different. <laughs> but something about that kind of new metal-y sound with you're, Slash playing yeah. leads. You're and absolutely then, right, though. If that had been a dude singing that, turn you wouldn't pay, Yeah, yeah. Skip. Wouldn't pay any attention to it. But then her, yeah, her vocals over top of it, mm-hmm. it's like just different enough that it something doesn't quite go together, it's but it works. distinctive. Unlike everything else that we talk about that's muddy, because it's so much crammed into right. however many tracks they're recording on, it's just too much. They're overproducing this stuff ad nauseum, and you get songs like this. You can hear her voice plainly. You could hear the guitar plainly. Right. And you could hear all that. And it was good. I like that. Good on them for a, a local band in Atlanta. Yeah. Quality stuff. So whoever the guitar player was, I hope he's continuing other bands somewhere. He's got some skills that need to be heard. Absolutely. Well, that's what I got for you this week. I thought we'd hear from the ladies again and let them kick our asses. And I thought I'd revisit my youth a little bit and try yeah. to pick up some pieces that were a, a puzzle from we, the past. We need attitude adjustments every once in a while. Absolutely. Put us in our place. Anything else from you, sir, this week? Uh, I'm going to have some more dessert pizza. What do you think? Cinnamon roll pizza? Dessert pizza. So you need something with... Uh, you put cream cheese, you put a little bit of brown sugar, you cinnamon, fruit. You roll it up. That's a cinnamon roll. Okay, well, there you go. Fruit? Fruit? Fruit. On a pizza? Fruit. You what? just said you had figs. That's true. That's fruit. I'm thinking the whole pineapple debate. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go see what I got in the fridge. I got strawberries. Ooh, I got strawberries. There you go. On a pizza. Coming right up. Strawberry pizza. Raspberry. Boysenberry. Strawberry. That's my jam. The passion fruit of nature. Until next time, people. Yeah. Later. Get a grip in her. Grab a handful of the devil's nuts. Irish whiskey nuts.